Hi, this is Tia Sarkar. I play Sabine Wren on Star Wars Rebels, and you're listening to Twin Suns Transmission. Of course, it ends where it becomes a desert planet with twin suns. Hey, my name is Taylor Gray, and I play Ezra Bridger in Star Wars Rebels. I hope you enjoy this week's episode of Twin Suns Transmission. Here's where the fun begins. Let's make this epic more interesting. You've taken your first step into a larger world. Welcome back to another episode of the Twin Sons Book Club Podcast. My name is Eric Pfeiffer, joined as always by Amanda DeFonzo. Hey everyone. And we have a new member joining us this time. We have Christian joining us. So Christian, welcome to the uh, Twin Sons Book Club Podcast. Yeah, I'm glad to be here. So today we are going to be discussing Shadow Fall by Alexander Freed. Now this is the second book in a trilogy that uh, Alexander Freed has given us, the first one being Alphabet Squadron, and this was our book for the month of July 2020 for the Twin Sons Outpost Book Club. Now, Amanda, we'll start with you. This is the second book in the trilogy, as I just said, and we we got a lot of the, the same characters from the first one in the second one. Not a lot of new characters, really, that we really got to dive too deep into, but with the first one being more of an introduction to a lot of these characters, the Alphabet Squadron characters, Erica Quell, Chas Nachadic, Nath Tencent, Will Lark, and Kairos, what can you tell us about kind of your just overall feeling of the second book involving these characters? Well, for me, I really liked this book better than the first one. I loved Alphabet Squadron, but this book really dove deep into some character development, especially for Eureka. And she is, I think, my favorite character in these novels so far. Um, so I, I'm, I'm a sucker for a good redemption story and for a complex character. And she really kind of fits the bill for me as far as that goes. Um, so I really, I really liked what they did with this one, and I loved the ending. I was in shock, and I don't know. This was, this was a good one, and I love that we got some more Hera. I love that we got to see the team coming together and falling apart. I thought it had um, some good ebb and flow as far as the story trajectory goes. So yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Obviously, the story of Erica Quell is something that we'll talk about in depth here because that is something that I feel like played a major role in this book. But Christian, what do you think about sort of the continuation of these characters we got from the first one? In a lot of ways, I agree with Amanda. I thought it was a better book than Alphabet Squadron, which I still enjoyed as well. Alphabet did a lot of the grunt work in kind of providing depth with the characters' initial development. And Shadowfall really took what Alphabet Squadron did and kind of ran with it. I really didn't expect um, the team to kind of all go separate ways and almost have their own individual arcs. But it was really cool to see how each character um, developed on their own away from the others. I know some of them were together, um, like Tencent and Will Lark. But I agree with Amanda as well. Eureka Quell's arc is my favorite so far. And <laughs> she definitely went through a lot in this book lots of ups and downs um mostly downs for her i was glad she kind of ended on more of an up but her arc is really fascinating really cool redemption arc that she's kind of pushing through but all the characters were developed really well in this book and i really enjoyed it i think it sets up for an awesome ending yeah in the first one, you know, it took a little bit to kind of get all the characters in the same spot, right? They were each on their own little arc, and we had Hound Squadron, we had Riot Squadron, and then we had Quell at Traitor's Remorse, and it kind of took a while for them all to become Alphabet Squadron and join forces and become this, you know, ragtag group of of uh, New Republic uh, intelligence sort of, you know, that working group mm -hmm. for Aiden. Um, and, you know, halfway through the first book, they finally kind of come together and become this team. And then, you know, even from the beginning of this book, 
it seemed like the team was just sort of was sort of going their separate ways and then throughout this entire book i mean we really didn't get a lot of them all together flying as a squadron you know i mean it, it was not much what there was not much of that um but it seems like even from the first one you know this alphabet squadron with quell at the helm it never seemed to fully click i mean did you guys do you guys feel that way too because it never seemed to really sort of um you know the wheels never seemed to hit the ground to go forward like it just yeah. seemed like there was always some rocky parts the cogs never quite matched up i felt like there was a lot of dissonance with them constantly um, between Chas's erratic behavior and Eureka's inability to fully open herself up and be available in that way as a leader um, with her squadron and Will's thinking about home, Nath is thinking about himself and Karos is Karos. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, Karos is silent and scary, but you know. (laughs) So I feel like there's just there was always that underlying tension, which they did Hera when she was um, kind of tutoring Quell on how to be a better leader towards the beginning of the book. She did address that there was this dissonance and that if she didn't find where the wound was soon, it was going to turn into something bigger, which it absolutely did because Yurika's mm-hmm. secret may have been the wound to begin with. Um, so, Yeah. I don't know. I, I don't think they were ever completely a true team as much as they wanted to be. And it seems like some of the characters, especially um, Nath Tencent, wasn't fully committed to the team. He had different motives, uh, kind of being paid off to um, do what he was doing. So it didn't seem like everyone really was committed to even wanting um, to form a team that's committed to each other and their goal. They all kind of had their own reasons to go against Shadow Squadron, but they didn't really have reasons to be with each other for that goal. Yeah, absolutely. Now let's talk about Quell a little bit here because her story, as you guys had talked about, is is obviously you know a major part of this series. And as we see, this this major problem that she has is that you know. I, as I'm reading it, I feel like she's got this like really bad case of anxiety. She's always worried about, okay, who knows the truth about me? You know, who who am I going to be able to be honest with? Who knows the truth? What did Aiden tell people? Does, you know, what does ITO know? Like, what do they know? And she's got all these secrets. And I feel like you can, if you have all these secrets, you can never really be who you are. If you, if you keep things bottled up, you're never really going to be true to who you are as a person. And that's what Quell has been doing this entire time. Now, at the end of the book, we, you know, with the last sentence, we see that she kind of goes back to her roots. And Erica Quell, Lieutenant Erica Quell, reporting for duty to Shadow Squadron and or Shadow Wing. Were you guys surprised about that? Was that something that you were expecting from her character? Well, yeah, I think considering her overall arc, I wouldn't have expected her. But with what happened at the Sith Temple, I think maybe that was a little bit expected. Just getting admitted to the temple, your mind has to go to a certain place. And she kept having to experience all these um, really dark memories of hers. And I think for the Sith Temple um, to work to let someone in, the person entering the temple has to be in that mindset that um, similar with the Sith. So he must be at least somewhat, I don't really want to say evil, but um, you have to have that kind of same mindset. So I think by her going to that place, but it seemed like when she entered the temple, she was kind of letting things go. It seemed more positive, but I think just getting admitted to a Sith temple puts her in this weird mindset. And I think that might've really changed her character and, Maybe not for the better. I still think she, she may be uh, kind of double agenting it. Uh, I'm not fully sure. But overall, I was surprised that the book ended with her reporting the shadowing. Yeah. For me, I mean, her her story is a redemption arc. But 
at this point, I'm wondering a redemption arc for who? Or in what way is her arc a redemption arc? Is she going to be redeemed in the eyes of her first mentor, Soren Keys? Is that how you say his name? How do you pronounce it, Christian? I always <laughs> said, like, Kies, but I don't, it doesn't really... I don't really feel like it's spelled that way. In my mind, I always thought Soron Kies, but nice. I know all these names I think we could pronounce differently. Okay. Yeah. So just say however you okay. want to say it. Um, or is she double-crossing him and again living in this land of half-truths and secrets like she's been throughout the entire first book and most of the second book? And she's going to double agent, like you said, again, and, you know, double cross him and make this her redemption for, you know, the Republic and for her, for her team or what's left of it right now. Her story arc is one that's very interesting to me. She clearly, at least at the beginning was lacking the ability to make a decision on her own. She was told to defect, despite the fact that that was her plan from the beginning. She got comfortable. She got, you know, she made friends. She had wingmates. And it wasn't until her mentor told her, hey, you have a sickness. You're too loyal. You're going to get yourself killed. You need to defect. You need to leave right now. And... You know, that's something that she did. She was told to do that. And that's that's kind of why she feels bad later, because it wasn't even her choice to do so. Mm-hmm. You know, it was somebody who told her to do it. And here we have her at the end saying that she's reporting for duty for Shadow Wing. To me, it's just, I don't, I don't know. I don't know if she just lacks a spine. I don't know if she's not able to make decisions on her own. Or I don't know if she's too engulfed in her past to get to the point where she can make decisions that are in the benefit for her. I mean, she's constantly thinking, if people find out about my past, what are they going to think? If so-and-so knows about me, am I going to be judged? And that's essentially why she goes back to shadowing at the end. She's like, if I go back to the New Republic, I feel like they're going to kill me or I feel like they're going to judge me, whatever. I'm going to try and just kind of go my own way now. So I don't know. I don't, I don't know if I entirely agree with that. Um, I feel like because when she, what she was going through when she was at the Sith Temple and letting go of all of those pieces of her past that ITO had been pushing her to let go of, that Aiden had been pushing her to let go of because she cannot constantly be living with all of that and, you know, acknowledging her cowardice, I wonder if this is the brave thing that she's going to do. It was really interesting that it did seem very positive um, when she entered the Sith Temple, I thought it was going to be a negative, like a really negative thought to get her to enter. But as she let go of her past, it seemed very positive, um, fought, like finally letting go of what she's done. So it was very strange for her to just turn around then and um, report to Shadowing. But I guess we'll, we'll find out in the third book. But it didn't really seem to add up. Where do her loyalties really lie at this point? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree with um, um, Eric. It seems like a lot of what she's been doing in her life is just kind of pleasing the people that are around her. It seemed like when she was growing up, she was pleasing those around her, and her mindset kind of sided with um, the rebellion against the Empire. And then she joined the Empire, and everyone around her, um, she kind of, she really is prone to group things with those around her. And then she just kind of settled with the Empire. Then she was told to go away, so she just accepted it. I think she is able to think for herself, but she's not able to act out what she believes. She just kind of acts out what others around her want her to be. I think that really does play into her, her anxiety is she's acting out what other people want, and she knows other people would not want to know of her past, so she's always kind of freaking out that they're going to find out. Yeah. And the other thing, too, is, like, that whole tattoo thing that she did in the first one, right? She, like... That was a symbol of, t- of a team. And then at the end of this one, she's like, well, I'm not going to need that tattoo anymore. Like, that doesn't matter. You know? So That's it's like, true. she's just throwing that away so so quickly. It's just, you know, those are the people that she she thinks of. And even, even if you go to some of the other characters, despite what their brain is telling them, they still can't help but think of Quell. That was their leader. 
you know, and so I don't know. I'm, I'm excited to see what happens in the next one. I'm nervous mm-hmm. to see what happens in the next one. It'll be interesting to see the the interaction between Soren and Quell in the next one. But obviously, you know, it'll be a while before we get that. So yeah. let's move on a little bit from Quell. Do you guys have any final thoughts on Quell before we move on? Um, I, you know, I really liked just something, you know, at the end of the book when she was with Aiden and he was dying she was comforting him and told him that she'd remember him. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. That doesn't seem to me like a person who's ready to entirely give up. But, yeah. And I guess I just have a final thought about that um, tattoo. So it was really interesting that she, um, in a way, got rid of it. And it could be because she's, like we talked about, seeking redemption throughout her whole arc. And I think she's been using other people to help validate that redemption, she believes that other people accept her as coming um, back to the good side, that then her redemption is validated. But perhaps after letting go of her past at the Sith Temple, she realized she doesn't need other people to help validate her redemption arc anymore. So by getting rid of that tattoo, she's kind of taking it upon herself. She says, I can validate myself for my redemption. Maybe that gives her enough strength to go take down Shadowwing from the inside. But, I mean, like we said, we don't know until we find out from the third book. Man. Mm-hmm. It'll get you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, every time, right? Our expectations for new oh. movies, new books, to always think we have it figured out, and it goes mm-hmm. a completely different way. You should have heard the Snoke theories I had. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, I think we all had our own kind of crazy Snoke theory that definitely did not pan out. <laughs> All right. Well, let's talk a little bit about Chas Nachatic. Now, Chas was one of my favorite characters in Alphabet Squadron. I loved her quippy responses. I loved how she said what she thought, you know, because Alexander Free does a phenomenal job of kind of giving a reaction to something that someone says with the thought of a character. Um, and nine times out of ten, the way a character responds is not the way that they think of responding. And yet Chasna Chadek will, she says what she feels and she's very blunt and she's very funny. I love that she's kind of her own person. She's blasting music. She's singing in her B-wing and she's just kind of her own character. Now in this one, she kind of goes off the deep end a little bit. She um, has a drinking problem. She sort of just deserts her team and goes off to, you know... Uh, cantinas and gamble and she gets caught up with this uh, cult the children of the empty sun so uh, Christian we'll start with you here what did you think of Chasna Chaddock's storyline in this book yeah it was really interesting like you said she was kind of going off the deep end a little bit it seems like she has a lot of internal conflict when it comes to the cult because she talked about how she kind of grew up um, in that same setting, and she's grown to consciously resent it. But it seemed like there was still a lot of pull for her to the cult. Uh, I mean, she wound up there. She wound up joining. Um, I don't think that's a coincidence. And it seems like she's been repressing a lot of what she's kind of learned from her childhood growing up in um, the cult with her family. And now she's kind of getting back to it and she's feeling this pull and part of her is trying to really reject it. But another part of her is almost accepting to it. And it's really interesting watching that play out because when it ends, she does leave, but it really sticks with her that they basically tell her, I forget the exact quote, but that will kind of always be a part of you. You won't forget this time and you will come back. It's just really interesting how she consciously rejects it, but unconsciously there's a pull. Um, And that made her whole arc kind of really interesting. And like how she was falling apart kind of mentally at the beginning, it almost seemed like while there was conflict, which was part of the cult, that she was almost more of pulling together. So I'm really not sure what the third book's going to have in store for her, but it was a very interesting arc that she had. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I found the quote. Um, Letige said, if you go, 
you will not rid yourself of us. You will carry the seed inside mm-hmm. you and it will grow. And I think that we do start to see some of that for her. Um, but I mean, she, like what you had said, she has this pull towards the cult and then she pushes back against it. But almost every time that she feels herself slipping into a comfort zone with the cult, she's like, you know, she gets angry. Mm-hmm. Um, she got angry at what Latige had just said to her and, you know, took off in her plane. Or in her plane, in her in her spaceship. <laughs> My biggest thing with Chas is if you think about what is something that she completely loves, and to me that is music. I feel like mm-hmm. Chas loves her music. She'll blast it so that everybody can hear it in the middle of a in the middle of a dog fight. <laughs> that they could all just you know be dead in two seconds, and yet she's <laughs> blasting this music that she totally loves. And she has a spot where she keeps it in her B-wing. And where she normally keeps it, it's not there anymore. And she has all of these, like, lectures, these these recordings from Latige in that spot. And obviously she's upset when she realizes that those are there, but she doesn't get rid of them. Mm-hmm. And in fact, they make a point to state that she still has them there. So I do feel like that that might be something to play in the next book. And I, I yeah. feel like you're kind of right, Christian. I, I really do feel like she's not as dismissive of this idea of the cult as she wants to be. You know, she wants to be dismissive of it. But I also feel like she's, you know, kind of deep down realizing that, hey, maybe this has merits. Yeah. And something that I've been noticing about her is that she uses other things to fill her headspace. She does not like being alone with herself. She's either got to have her music or she's got to be drinking or she was filling her time with things at the cult, even though she would complain and say they were stupid or, you know, tell herself that she was just, you know, playing this act. She has this complete and utter inability to look at herself and to um, be in her own headspace and be comfortable there. So I wonder if she's now going to end up listening to these tapes and fill her head with that instead. Don't do it. Don't do it. (laughs) (laughs) It's hard to tell if it's how it's going to affect her. I mean, obviously being a a cult that has lots of negative connotations, but religion by itself can be really positive for people mentally. So it's really hard to tell what kind of effect it's going to have on her. And I'm still trying to get a feel for the cult as far as how that all works and what their end goal is. Because, I mean, I think that they definitely have an end game or a gimmick. Mm-hmm. There has to be something. There's too many odd moments of interaction for me. Well, it's like the whole weapons thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, they make people think that they're burning the weapons and that they're supposed to be nonviolent, and yet they're not burning the weapons mm-hmm. and they're stockpiling them. Yep, they're hiding right. them. And also, what happened when she saw, when she shot Latige? She just hit her in the head with the, the, okay. the handle. I thought she pulled the trigger. And I'm like, so wait, she's just walking out here totally fine, like dabbing her head? Yeah, I'm really she... confused. What kind of force magic are they using? I think she just That's hit her I thought, head. too. I was like, she's got to be dead. And they just walked away. I didn't seem bad at all. But yeah, it makes sense. Just hit her, hit her with the gun. Yeah. Tio, how do you say the guy's name that's spelled like cheese? Gugur, gur, gur. Groiver, that's how I said it. <laughs> I just oh, I don't asked. even know for some of the characters' names. I yeah. kept reading it and seeing Guier. <laughs> so, <laughs> There's a V in it. I know, but that's what I saw every time I read it. I There's some hard it. to pronounce character names in this one. <laughs> but he got like nailed in the back of the head with a pipe, too, so I thought he was down for the count for a minute. So let's go ahead and before we finish up talking about Alphabet Squadron, let's kind of take a timeout with that and go into Soren Keys, Kies, Kies, however you want to say his last name. Quell's former mentor and now the colonel of Shadow Wing, the one in charge of the group. So let's talk about him for a little bit. Now in the first book, Alphabet Squadron. All we really got from him was that he was Quell's former mentor that everyone thought was dead. 
that um, we didn't find out was still alive until the end of the book. And we kept getting these Devon chapters at the end of every part. And you're like, what does this have to do with the entire story? And we finally realized that he's alive and he comes back. And after the death of Shakara Nuris, grandmother, he takes over for Shadow Wing. So how did you guys feel about Soren in this novel and about his leadership with Shadow Wing? Amanda, we'll start with you. I am so undecided on him as a character. Because, like, I like his style, but I don't I don't know what his endgame is. He knows that everything is for naught. He knows that the Empire is finished, so... He's all about saving his people. That's the most important thing for him. But he's leading them into a head-on battle that doesn't have good odds in the long run. So I, I just, I don't know what his endgame is. What is he doing? Why did he leave? Why did he come back? There are so many things about his character that we still don't have clear answers on. So I feel like his intentions for me are just as muddled as Eureka's right now. So I'm kind of on the fence here. In a lot of way, I think I'm on the fence with him too. It's really interesting how he was introduced in Alphabet Squadron because he's really set up to be kind of the main villain, um, at least to Alphabet Squadron from their perspective. So interesting to be introduced to him through Devin. Um, and I don't know about you guys, but I really liked Devin's character. Um, yeah. He seemed yeah. kind of unbeatable. seemed like he was trying to do the good thing. <laughs> we find out he's the, kind of the new main bad guy. Yeah, I feel like I should dislike him, but at the same time, <laughs> I, mm-hmm. I, I don't. Um, yeah. But it is really interesting that he is really out for his people. But I agree with Amanda, it's like there's other things he could be doing to protect his yeah. people, and it probably could be leading them away from the fight. So it's really hard to know what his end game is, because he knows the Empire, it's just a losing battle, they've lost. Um, but he also really does not like the, the New Republic, so I feel like he's just trying to fight the New Republic, and that's all he knows what to do, he has no good solution. Mm-hmm. So it's really hard to formulate an opinion on him, but at the very least, that's usually Star Wars villains we just hate, um, <laughs> like the Emperor Palpatine and but like Kylo Ren and um, Sauron Kai. They're kind of those characters fighting on the wrong side of the battle that we kind of like and relate to. Yeah, there's not, they're not um, single faceted. They they have so much more dimension and. There was this one moment towards the end of the book when he is presented again with the Palpatine droid thing. The messenger, yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That thing freaks me out. And it starts... (laughs) (laughs) It does. It's weird. And it starts going on about Operation Cinder, you know, execute Operation Cinder now again. And he's infuriated. He punches it. He, like, cracks Mm -hmm. the screen, busts open his hand. Maybe he sees that messenger is the beginning of the end of his squadron i don't know or maybe he really does resent and regret what happened with cinder and he sees the gravity of the devastation that he caused but i like there's so much with his intention that i am curious about right now it's so strange that he encouraged um, rika quell to leave and he just stayed on so he knows he's kind of on the wrong side but it doesn't change what he's doing his actions yeah Yeah. i think for me i mean he's just out for himself he's obviously he wants to save his people but as far as like leadership goes okay we have grand admiral ray sloan over here and i don't know if you've guys if you guys have read the aftermath series or not but she's a, a very predominant character in this time period for Star Wars, um, following the events of Episode Six, and I think for him, Soren, I think you know, obviously he does not deal well with people who are above him. I think he got into sort of a um, a comfortable spot with Grandmother, 
But then after her, I think he kind of felt like he was the best person for the job and he wasn't going to team up with Ray Sloan. He wasn't going to kind of rendezvous with them. He wasn't going to deal with any of that stuff. And anytime even Yadiz, I think, Governor Yadiz, who kind of took over uh, for Governor Hastamore, I mean, he was basically letting her think that they were doing the same thing. But really, he had his own motives. He had his own plan. He had his own idea of what's going to happen and that's kind of uh, what he went, what he went through with uh, toward the end. And granted, at the end, uh, Yadiz sort of, you know, was like, "You, you go. I'll deal with the ground forces. You know, you can take yeah. the take the freighter mm-hmm. and get out of here." Um, but that was his whole plan, you know, throughout the whole thing is to escape. I just want to get out of here with Shadowing. And so I don't know. I I, I think while he's got the Imperial cog on his flight suit and he's flying around in a tie fighter i don't necessarily feel like i would consider him part of the empire personally at this point yeah i don't know he's he's a bit of a conundrum for me yeah all right well let's continue on we'll talk about some of the other members of alphabet squad we'll kind of uh let's let's group these two together nath and will nath tenson and will lark um they obviously have some bumpy bumpy parts some rough patches to their relationship in this one and i think you know that will have to continue to grow and and get nurtured um but for the most part these were the only two members of alphabet squadron that were together throughout this book so christian we'll start with you what do you think of their storyline yeah it's really interesting that they kind of stuck with each other and kind of formed their own ragtag squadron so it was like a ragtag squadron within uh, a ragtag squadron book. That was pretty interesting. But it was cool to see Will uh, kind of step into that leadership role, kind of not because he was ready for it, but him and he was almost forced into it. It was either him or, or Nath. And I think he really stepped into it, but I really find it interesting, his kind of approach where he'd much rather take the peaceful way out. And he feels almost a connection to Shadowing, especially um, through Blink. It's just really uh, uh, every fight he kind of goes into, he's trying to find a way how, like, how can we end this peacefully with the least amount of casualties possible, not just for their side, for the other side as well. So for a book that's obviously lacking and um, kind of force users or, or Jedi, that sort of thing, it's cool to kind of see a character take on um almost the personality or more like the ethical uh, morality of jedi where um kind of the mistake they made in the prequels was they chose the fight over peace but will's really um looking at what the the true heart of the jedi is is looking for the way out that's peaceful and better for both sides and he does that almost every time it doesn't quite always work out for him but it's cool to see that he's at least seeking out that method and that strategy. So what does that mean for the next one with Quell sort of aligning herself again with Shadow Wing and Will trying to reach out and create this peace offering with Blink? What kind of you know dynamic, what kind of story do you think that'll present for the next one? Yeah, that's really interesting. I was thinking about how this whole series could end because it's really pitted Alphabet Squadron against Shadowing. That's what the whole series is about. But if you look at Star Wars, how um, traditionally, like how the original trilogy ended, um, it was as, I wouldn't say it's a peaceful ending, but Luke won with compassion. Um, And that's kind of a major theme that Lucas wanted to put in Star Wars was that compassion wins. By throwing away his lightsaber, Luke won. And I always thought it would be very kind of cheesy if um, Shadowing Alpha Squadron kind of um, talked away their differences and uh, agreed to not fight. But it seems like the most Star Wars way to end a series. Have two squadrons pitted against each other and finding a way to get around those differences but I'm not sure how Freed could do that and make it make sense and make it work because we've been invested in this for two books now. But you bring up a good point with now Quell's on one side 
and Will Lark could be stepping to leadership role in the other, and that could be an avenue for a peaceful ending, if that's possible. Yeah, she's the common thread right now between Shadow Wing and Alphabet Squadron. Um, and I, I, part of me wonders if she's going to try and find the weak points in Shadow Squadron, or Shadow Wing, and um, try and create a mutiny against her first mentor. Mm. And that perhaps that's how her and Will will come back into contact. Totally hypothetical, obviously, <laughs> but I could see that being a way for that story to play out. It'll be interesting to see what happens, and I'm very much looking forward to more interaction between Quell and Soren in the next one because mm-hmm. obviously there's gonna be there's there's a history there, yeah. and we'll see. Maybe they'll butt heads. Maybe Quell is being this double agent. Maybe, uh, maybe, I don't know. I don't know. There's yeah. going to be something that's going to go down in the next one. I'm just really excited to see what their very first interaction is because the last time they saw each other, he was telling her to run, turn tail, get out of here, defect, go. And now yeah. she's come back. They've both come back. So I want to see what that first conversation looks like. I'm really, I think, the most excited for that in the next book. Yeah, it's so strange. She's basically kind of starting over again where she's joining uh, a squad now which she's been with before but they didn't know except for um soran kai's that she left and was a part of alphabet squadron only one person knows and that's the leader it's kind of like it was an alphabet squadron they all didn't know that um she was forced to leave except um eventually the karen aiden and now tense that they found out so it's really weird that she's starting over in the same spot with a secret that a few people know yeah let's go ahead and talk a little bit about kairos in this one now kairos um obviously she doesn't do much she doesn't say much in this book um she gets really badly injured at the beginning and spends most of the rest of the book not even in it at all she's kind of healing up she's in back to um, she says some really crazy things, including, They fall for us, so we may purge the shadow. The mission <laughs> must succeed. But she really doesn't say a whole lot. No. I mean, she she is a very quiet character. She's a very mysterious character. And, I mean, when I was reading it, I don't know about you guys, but it seemed like that scene where she kind of got injured, it didn't seem like as bad as it actually was. I was like, oh, she's just hurt. And then, like, she was hurt for the whole book. And I was like, oh, oh. that must have been really bad. <laughs> this is not good. Well, and I thought it was interesting what her last words were before she blacked out was that she was looking at the traitor Yurika Quell. Mm-hmm. So she knew about the secret, too. But I think that we can't completely dismiss her presence in the book because we did get a really beautiful story when Aiden and Quell were stuck on that planetoid. And they were talking about um, how Aiden got IT and how he got out. And and that was her story. You know, they were just kind of passing ships in this, you know, detention facility. And they formed a plan to get out. And, I mean, they, they left one of their number behind. Um, there, Iflin, who actually came up with the plan. But that was part of what made him so loyal to her so i feel like we did get her presence at least in that way yeah, it was interesting we didn't see much of her but we saw her impact on the squadron and uh her injury impacted almost every single person individually um so that was really weird to see but i agree with you eric when it happened I was like, oh, she's hurt a little bit. It's Cairo. She'll be back in the next chapter firing on all cylinders. So I was very surprised that it took her out. And even at the end of the book, when she does come back, she looks pretty pretty roughed up. And she says, I am healed. But it doesn't seem <laughs> a normal person that they would think that they're healed. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think that that's just part of her species, maybe. They still have not discerned what she is. Which is mm-hmm. fine. Keep it a mystery. That's cool. But there's a moment when she's in 
her ship where she's talking about smelling her own rotting flesh in her bandaged outfit thing that she wears. So I, I think the weird skin condition is just like always there. Yeah, but then in that battle, so remember when she was in that battle and she like, I think part, some blaster or something hit her in the arm and then like part of her like arm bandage or arm wrap like came out and she could, she could see her skin and then she said something about how she had betrayed her last vow or something like that. So she must have vowed to like keep herself covered. I think there's a lot more to her than... Mm -hmm what we've gotten so far and i really hope that we get sort of uh, a finishing story for her in the next one yeah it seems almost like uh the mandalorian yeah um where they kind of cover up they never show their face or anything like that i'm not saying that she might be a mandalorian but maybe she's in some sort of warrior group or something similar where it's not really her race that defines her but um the group that she joined but yeah, it's hard to tell. It's so mysterious. We can speculate so much about it. Maybe she's part of a creed. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's go ahead and talk about the story. Now, this is the second book in a trilogy. So obviously, you know, Shadowing is still around and the New Republic is still around. And most of the characters, with the exception of Karen Aiden um, and even ITO, uh, who gets pretty roughed up in this one um are still around so what did you guys think of the story the new republic trying to track down shadowing create this trap for them in the midst of a system the cerberon system that's you know going to be sucked up by this black hole harrison doula leaves for a while finally comes back just in time to to help save the day Christian, we'll start with you. What do you think of the story that Alexander Freed kind of relayed to us in this in this second book of the trilogy? Yeah, it's not really what I expected at all, but after finishing it, it seems to make sense, a lot of sense for the second book of a trilogy. I mean, just looking at the original trilogy of Star Wars movies, A New Hope kind of set the foundation for a lot of the characters. Um, then Empire Strikes Back, a lot of things seem to go wrong. So it really seemed like I expected in Shadowfall was the Alphabet Squadron is going to come closer together. They're going to form this uh, really strong team um, that's really efficient, maybe one of the top squadrons in the New Republic. And that kind of all goes out the window almost from the get-go. And when you first hear Shadowfall, you're kind of thinking that Shadow Wing is going to be falling, so it kind of implies some sort of victory for Alphabet Squadron. Right. But in reality, it's a kind of a shadow falling over Alphabet Squadron. Everything falls apart. They're not even together for almost the entire book. Like we talked about, Will and Tencent are the only ones kind of together. And they're all kind of finding their own way away from each other. And the book ends with their leader <laughs> taking off and potentially joining Shadowing. Or at the very least, she's no longer a part of Alphabet Squadron. Um so really not what I expected, but I think that's a really good thing when you're talking about stories because it made a lot of sense. Um, Dave Filoni, or not Dave Filoni, Ryan Johnson talked about like plot twists. It should be something you don't expect, but that makes a lot of sense. And I think that was what most of um, what Shadowfall was in its plot. Yeah. I think that they did a really good job of developing these characters that we just got introduced to in the last book and putting them in tense enough situations to cause that growth, but without giving away the ending, which is super important. Because I, like, I have no idea what's going to go on in the next book, and they gave us a really beautiful cliffhanger where I, like, either way she chooses, I don't think I could hate her character. Eureka, I mean. Mm -hmm. So I, I think they did a really good job. And I think it was smart to take it out of known systems that we are that we already have memories of and attachments to and to kind of give us a new battlefield, a new fight, but the same reasons for it. And then with the renewed um, animosity on Shadow Wing's part from Pandem Nye. 
I was really surprised that we stayed in the same system the entire time. I was expecting us to kind of go from, you know, different parts of the galaxy to different parts. And then they were talking at one point about Coruscant, about how, like, the New Republic had it blockaded, but, like, the capital was open for the taking or whatever. Like, I I was expecting, oh, maybe we're going to go to Coruscant at the end of this or something like that, but that never happened. So I was kind of shocked that we stayed in the same system. Mm -hmm. I did like the idea of a black hole kind of over time swallowing up a bunch of planets. I thought that was kind of cool. And I think Alexander Freed did a fantastic job of expanding on these characters um, despite the fact that they weren't even together Mm -hmm. for most of it. And I think that that, you know, it's, it's great to focus on certain characters like Chas. You know, it's a lot easier to focus on Chas's character when she's by herself in a, you know, a different situation and to create character growth from that situation. Mm -hmm. Um, With Nath and Will, obviously there's going to be character growth there, but for me personally, I don't feel like Nath really had a lot of character growth in this one because number one, he was with Will, and number two, it was more of like Will's character growth than it was Nath's. I don't I think that he did have character growth though because he went from saying that he didn't really know what his purpose was anymore because he got his revenge. He, you know, avenged his team. And so he was he didn't really know why he was still there. He just chose to still be there. But then he found purpose in helping Will and I think he came to see Will as almost a little brother or a son type figure for him so he found something to care about again and i think that was character growth yeah i think he have some development like you said but i think just compared to the other characters they all went through pretty complex arcs and they were mm-hmm. very detailed i think just by comparison it didn't seem like much but you're right he did go through um some sort of arc and he did find some purpose in the end so what he did have was meaningful i just don't think it was quite as much as we might expect for a main character in the novel. No. And I think that, you know, he, he his main point at the end was doing something that was selfless as opposed to selfish because most of his motivations mm-hmm. prior to that were very selfish. Yeah. All right, well, before we go on and conclude our show here, any final thoughts, Amanda, on Shadowfall? I super loved it. It was awesome. I love Eureka. Team Eureka. (laughs) (laughs) Christian, what about you? Um, I agree. I love um, her as well. I thought ITO's character is especially interesting um, to her that we really come to trust droids in Star Wars. Um, They're programmed to act a certain way, so we trust them, and I trusted ITO. It was kind of heartbreaking to see that he had reverted to being a torture droid and put Eureka Quell through a terrible situation. I felt so bad for her, but I'm really excited for this third book. I love Shadowfall. I really hope we see more of the Sith ship that Eureka basically stole. I think we're going to see some really cool things with that um, in the third book. Whose ship is it? I was talking to Eric about this earlier. I want to know whose ship it is because it's got to be someone big and bad. Mm -hmm. And I, I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of hoping it's a Palpatine ship or a yeah. Vader ship or I something. I think it's. I personally think it's a Palpatine ship because they had made multiple references about Palpatine wanting a lot of his old, you know, factories and depots and things like that destroyed. Uh, you know, after after Endor and you know if he died or whatever it was, I can't remember the exact verbiage, but. They kind of made reference to him wanting a lot of his stuff to be destroyed after he was gone. So I personally think it's it's like this high-tech Sith ship that he had hidden um, on this planetoid in the Cerberon mm-hmm. system. But again, obviously we don't know. Um, it's interesting that it seemed very high-tech. It had a cloaking mm-hmm. device. So it'll be interesting to see what happens with that. What I'm interested in is the black crystal that was in it. Mm-hmm. Is that a kyber crystal? A black kyber crystal? <laughs> yeah, kind of like the, reminds you of the dark saber. Uh-huh. Yeah. 
whole nother conversation, I guess. I know, I'm like, there's just, I could talk about the ship for 10 more minutes, but. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to I'm really excited to see what it can do because free can get really creative. I mean, Sith technology, I mean, your imagination can run away with it. Like, you can almost do anything. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I really enjoyed this book. It sounds like you guys did as well. And Christian, uh, by the time this podcast airs, we will have posted your book review of Shadowfall by Alexander Freed. Very excited to see that. Uh, so if you have not checked that out, make sure to go onto our website, www.twinsonsoutpost.com, and check out all of Christian's book reviews there. Uh, we've got a decent amount of them up and more coming all the time. So Christian, first of all, thanks for that. Good job on uh, on all the content that you've done with us. We appreciate that. And uh, everyone should go check out that Shadowfall review. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm glad to write them. Well, thank you so much, everyone, for joining us on our podcast for the month of July where we discussed Shadowfall by Alexander Freed. For the month of August, we are taking a break. We usually have one break throughout the year for our book club, so if you want to read something that's not Star Wars, I don't know why you would do that, but <laughs> if you want to do that, you can, or um, just pick up a book that we, we haven't read yet, or whatever you want to do. Um, August is your month to kind of do whatever you want, um, and then we'll begin back up in the month of September for the newest Timothy Zahn Star Wars book, which is... Thrawn Ascendancy, the Thrawn Ascendancy series. The first book is called Chaos Rising, which is going to be a prequel to the other Thrawn trilogy that Timothy Zahn wrote uh, as part of the Star Wars canon universe. So it'll be very exciting to kind of get Thrawn's introduction to the Chiss Ascendancy, and uh, I'm really looking forward to getting more on Thrawn. I'm looking forward to getting more on Aralani. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, she's a cool character. So we'll see what that brings us. But thank you so much to everyone who listened and participated in our discussion questions for the month of July related to Shadowfall by Alexander Freed. All right, and Amanda, if people want to follow us on our book club and keep up with what we're doing, where can people do that? People can do that under Facebook or Twitter under the handle TSO Book Club. And if you're looking to follow Twin Suns Outpost, we are under the handle of Twin Suns Outpost on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. All right. And Christian, you're brand new to Twin Suns Outpost, and we did our little introduction with you on Twin Suns Transmission, uh, but you are on Twitter too. So if people want to follow you and see what you're up to, where can they do that? They can do that at underscore CC Baseball on Twitter. And I'm there. I mostly um, post about Star Wars, but I post all my book reviews on there as well. So give me a follow. All right. Awesome. We'll see you again in September. And as always, may the Force be with you. Thanks for listening to this presentation of the Twin Suns Podcast Network. May the Force be with you. Yeah, Master. It's controlled by the hut. Rendezvous point on Halloween. This time you are not a Chinese king.